You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Thank you, Maverick. (laughs) My name's Goose. I'm a pastor here. (laughs) Well, this is the third part of a series that I paid a lot of money for that marketing job in. One sermon, three parts. Um, Today our focus is going to be on Jesus. Uh, There's no possible way even in a three-week series, I can touch on enough things about our, our incredibly diverse or complicated, but he's simple, our, the God that we, we serve, that we praise and we adore. But I'm going to try to touch on some of the things on Jesus because it's staggering the more you look at him and hear him and study him and then listen to him, how there's more and more and more that he does. And the, he, he has so many hats. He's his own haberdashery shop. I mean, he's got a hat for everything. And he does everything. We've got to come to understand this. And so that's part of what this is about. Because in, in, in Jesus Christ, the, re, the, re, the revealing of God and the understanding of man fully coincided. And this is what's so unique. The whole word of God and the perfect response of man are indivisibly united in one person, the mediator. So what I went to is the book of Hebrews because there's one little verse that kind of talks about this and kind of shows you how much this is. It's it's in chapter 2, starts in verse 17, and I'm going to run all the way down to chapter 3, verse 1. This is why he had to be a man and to take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. Understand that. Never before have we ever seen a king priest. There was always a king and there was a high priest. There were never one. He's taken the, so he is our Lord and he's our high priest. And he's before God. As the one who removed our sins, the atoner, to make us one with him, that's the mediator of God and man. Look at all these things. He suffered, endured every test and temptation. He was the sacrifice besides being the high priest. So that he can help us every time we pass through ordeals. He's our encourager. He's our uplifter. He's our savior. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy. You are now made holy. And each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. So fasten or focus your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as apostle and high priest. So the apostle role is from heaven to earth. The high priest role from earth to heaven. So that little phrase showed you how many different facets of Jesus. Amazing that he fulfilled them all to perfection. And here's the important. The word isn't just tossed out to us. Unworthy whether we understand it or not, or whether or not we are changed by it. 
Jesus is really the true mediator of God and humankind. Mediating both the cause of God to humanity and the cause of humanity to man, or to God. Help back. Oh, yeah. The incarnation was not one-sided. God alone speaking to human beings, but the Son of God as human, as a human being, acted on our behalf before the Father, receiving and responding to God's word in our place. The Son was not merely the word proclaimed to us, but at once the human response to God's word. In this we discover the mediation of, God, of Christ, both on the side of God and the side of humanity. I wrote this out so it sounds almost legalese because I didn't want to make a mistake. I wanted us to hear what God was trying to say. He says, this is Jesus Christ, the interpreter and mediator between man and God who as God of God in unqualified deity and as man of man in unqualified humanity constitutes the unity of his incarnate person, the divine human word, spoken to man from the highest and heard by him in the depths and spoken to God out of the depths and heard by him in the highest. He is not only the word of God come to man and become man, but he who as man bears and is the word of God, the word not only as God utters it, but the same word is heard and uttered and lived by man. In Christ, it was not a neutral humanity, but it was united to God, but it was precisely our humanity that he assumed. There's so much to what I'm trying to say. The word was interpreted and translated into our language in the person of Jesus Christ, in our person, in our humanity, our broken, failing humanity. The word came and speaks to us, God's word. And then he takes human's kind word and then translates it again and brings it to heaven. Mediates both sides. And this is what's so important, because Christ as God and Jesus Christ as human hears and responds to God's word in faithful obedience and to our word to God in faithful obedience. Jesus Christ is our human response to God. Do not miss this. Jesus Christ is our human response to God. He assumed that all that was ours in the experience of human life in body, mind, and soul, including the human prayer and worship, that he might offer himself to the Father on our behalf in, in our place and present us sanctified and renewed in and through himself to the Father. Hallelujah. It's not the death of Christ that constituted atonement, but Jesus Christ as the Son of God offering himself in sacrifice for us. Everything depends on who he was. For the significance of his acts in life and death depends on the nature of the nature of his person. It was he who died for us, he who made the atonement through his, his one self-offering in life and death. Hence we must allow the person of Christ to determine for us the nature of his saving work rather than the other way around. And I just, Jesus Christ was not neutral in humanity that was united to God, but was precisely our humanity that God assumed. That's so important. We have more than a mediator. 
We have a perfected human being as our advocate. This is so important that when we, we're, we're called to, we're to repentance and faith, but it's, it's, it's not that we're, we're missing sometimes, in my opinion, that sometimes we think that there's some kind of a transaction that's going on. That, that if uh, I do my part, then Jesus does his part, and that's how this all works out. And then there was a transaction. Jesus did it all. There wasn't a transaction. And we, so for us to, we, yeah, we have to rightly respond to what's happened. But it's not a measure of our perfect faith. It's the measure of Jesus' perfect faith. He perfected our faith. It's so, so many people think, I don't have enough faith to be saved, so we worry about our measure of faith that we have to give, improve, and then Jesus then says, now you're saved. But it, it, all it is is any measure of faith. And we're approved and we're saved. Because he's perfected our faith and completed it. Because the focal point is entirely on Jesus. It's not on us. Jesus is the human response to God. And so our personal responses are only made within his response. And so all we can do is echo his perfect humanity. So I want you to hear that. So many times we think that we haven't done enough, been lifted up to a high enough level to be somehow worthy of grace. And the grace is not a transaction of mankind saying, I'll do this for you, because Jesus is doing both sides of the covenant. And that's where we miss. We don't seem to recognize that. We see the covenants throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes to earth and says, I'm going to be your covenant, but I'm going to be the human side of the covenant too. And I will perfect your covenant in the human form perfectly. That's so different than anything we're ever taught. We're almost always taught about our obedience. See, the, the good news is, is not about this transaction. And that's the way I always heard it. If you do all this stuff, God will forgive you. And Jesus is telling us, no. It's not a transaction between human beings and an impersonal deity. It's instead, the ex- it, it's me responding to what has already been done for me in Christ. And that's a fundamentally different response. How many people thought you had to clean up the act before you could be a part of a church or be part of the kingdom, be part of the family of God? And the family of God is saying, no, just respond in any way you can and let Jesus Christ come into you. I, I, see, part of that is because it, it's not... You know, whenever the work of the gospel is made external from the person of God, we separate that sometimes. And and we forget that that, that there's a conclusion that faith and repentance are somehow an admission fee to grace. Instead, as long as there's that thinking that's upon us to complete the gospel, then Christ can actually be discarded after salvation. Because if I 
had to do the work of salvation to be saved, I no longer need Jesus in my life to be saved. Now, that sounds crazy, to say, but until we get this thinking out of our mind that we've done anything for our own salvation, now we know who the, who the focus point of my salvation is the completed work of Jesus Christ. And only thing I can complete for that is my assent to say yes. And let Jesus then do his work. The more things we think we have to do for our own salvation, the less we actually come to value our salvation. Our salvation is incredibly valuable because it's all of heaven has made you saved. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we've talked in the other, ser other sermons, where the Father is the one that sends the Son, the Holy Spirit that empowers the Son on earth. And then we see what's going, we see this perfect picture at the baptism of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit comes on him. Then the Father speaks of, of the goodness of this moment and we see the triune God has come to earth in salvation, in the power of salvation. And so the good, you know, God was not the object of the atonement. We have to understand this. God was remained the subject in simple terms, God, it was not God who was acted on in the, it was God who acted in the atonement, not the one that was acted upon. And we all think that God was the one that was acted upon. The atonement was not a pagan offering to appease or act on some angry God. In a sense that, that Jesus' death caused a change in God. Because the opposite is true. While the death of Christ was truly offered up to the Father in the Holy Spirit, the object of the atonement was the sin and guilt in human beings. That's the object of the atonement. And God acted on that object. He's the, you understand what I'm saying? He's not the subject of the atonement. He's the one that was acting on it. So the change enacted on the, the cross was a change in humanity. And so God was in Christ blotting out sin and guilt inherent in our fallen existence, putting to death the old man for the sake of the new and reconciling himself to himself. So I, I chose 2 Corinthians 5. It's kind of a picture, if you, if you will, a snapshot. It's a little bit long. I got 14 through 21, but long verses are good for us. <laughs> I've been using the, uh, the Passion Translation for these. I know a lot of you like the Passion Translation since we're not really parsing everything out. It, it works just fine. For it's God's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. What motivates us? What fuels our passion? God's love. Let's not forget that. Okay. Because it's not guilt. That doesn't fuel our passion. It's not a God to be a better Christian. I'm, I've got to fulfill my own salvation. It's just God's love. God's love fulfills our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. 
So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. But that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human in insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, a lot of us heard this from what Paul saying, anyone in Christ. I like how he said we're enfolded into Christ. We're like part of the omelet. So we're all in there. He has become entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. The old order includes who was in control of us. Before we were subject to the authority of the, of the authorities of earth. Now we're, the new order is subject to the authorities of heaven. That's a new order. It's slightly different than maybe what you would have thought. Okay. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Did you understand what your ministry is? You're, you're helping in the reconciliation. You're in the Jesus business. Okay. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to, to God. And how do we do that? By not keeping record of their transgressions. I'm not supposed to tell you all about your sin. More than likely, you know most about it. I got to tell you about the love of God and how we can walk away from a life that's not paired with Christ. Then the sin becomes self-evident through the Holy Spirit. Because he came to convict us of our sin. He didn't send you to convict me of my sin. No one in this room has, has been sent to convict me of my sin. And so that is part of our mission as ambassadors of Christ. We've got we to gotta learn that we have got to no longer keep records of sin. We're ambassadors of the, of the anointed one who, who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Boy, that's wonderful. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled with him. For God made the only one who did not sin become sin for us, so that we who do, did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Hallelujah. I, sometimes I'm stunned by, when I look at God as the acting subject of the atonement, not the object acted upon. The cross was an overflow of God's love. That, not the reason for God's love. Boy, that's important to understand. It was the overflowing of God's love. Far too often the atonement's painted with violent words. And we look at that and we think of the horror of, of, of that. It's called Good Friday, not Horrible Friday. It's an, that's the absolute window into the heart of God is the cross. It's, it's where we see him raw, open, and we see the love of God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a pretty sight, but it's not horrible and ugly in the sense of the spirit world. Because 
there was a cosmic shift in the planets, all the planets, when Jesus was on the cross. Everything changed. We weren't there to see it, maybe, but I mean, the earth shook as a, to remind everyone what had just happened, that the earth shook. And, and the sky became dark because everything changed in that moment. That was, it's amazing. You know, in the Old Testament, now I'm gonna mention this for, this makes it a little more clear. In the Old Testament, God's forgiveness was never a result of the sacrifice of the animal because the sacrifice bore witness to God's forgiveness and mercy. And on the cross, Jesus bore witness to God's mercy and love so much so that he would bring, he would allow his only son to be that sacrifice. Yes. So many of us think that Jesus died because we were, we were nasty, terrible people. Jesus died because he loves us so much. That's why he died. It's because God loves us that God's wrath was poured out against sin, destroying and overcoming it in Jesus' death. Wrath is not an arbitrary threat. God's wrath is purposeful. God's wrath is included in God's love for us. God's love for us, and therefore God's wrath, is also for us, not against us. His wrath of his love is God's wrath against anything that stands against us. It stands against sin and that seeks to destroy us. God's wrath that was poured out was poured out against the sin that encages us, the sin that binds us, the sin that keeps us from being whom Jesus meant us to be. He poured out his wrath, not on flesh, but on spirit. And so we have to see this. And in Paul's message, he says, your battle is not with flesh and blood. Jesus did not pour out his wrath on flesh and blood. He poured out his wrath on that which hinders the flesh and blood that he created in love. And so when we see that, Jesus is both our apostle and high priest. Now, he rose from the dead. So now the mediator has has changed because the perfection of humanity sits at the right hand of the Father. Think about that for just a second. The perfection of humanity sits at the right hand of the Father. And now he's fulfilling our human response. This is really hard to cap capture sometimes because because we can't do anything perfectly. Jesus fulfills our human response to the Father by perfectly doing what we cannot do. Therefore, our mustard seed of faith is enough. I want you to think about that. It's not how much faith you have, it's if you have any at all. That mustard seed now, in the hands of Jesus, has been perfected and is translated to the perfected faith of Jesus. And that is now it's presented to the Father. He fills it and he perfects it in fullness. Then he presents it to the Father through the Holy Spirit. So if you say, I don't have enough faith, what did the Bible say? You don't have enough obedience. 
Read that section one more time when he talks about the faith of a mustard seed. Because that's his response is you don't have enough obedience. Because you've got enough faith if you have any faith. Now, as we grow in Christ, our faith will grow. But the level and the measure of our faith is not what saves us. It's the measure and love of the faith in Christ that saves us. And so just a little faith is enough. Our lives, far from the life of Christ that we seek, and are filled with hesitations and stumbles, is the life of a holy and, rich and righteous child of God surrounded by the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. We hear the most beautiful testimony just now, that someone said, even sinners can praise. Why do I bring up the fact earlier that Jesus prayed and worshiped as a human being? Your prayer is a lot like a little shard of a famous Ming vase. And that's what you offer up to heaven. And Jesus then completes the vase and presents it to God. No cracks, no cement joints. He completes it all and says, I see you and I give this to you. He, we take our worship and we come in on Sunday and Rick, I'm tired. I worked all week. You guys are all singing in the background. I don't know. We make a peep and say, Jesus, you're here. He takes that and turns it into a, a beautiful choir. Take whatever kind of music you like. If you like Gregorian chant, you can have that. It, it can be angels of heaven. But he takes your worship and fills it. And then right, it comes up in beauty. And so you've got your worship going wrapping up there in heaven. Or it could be, you know, harps. But part of this, we have to understand, Jesus has perfected it all. Because he's done it all for us. And outside of Jesus, there is no worship and there is no prayer. Outside of Jesus, there is no salvation. I don't care what you do. You can build the most beautiful cathedral with your own money in your own labor, but without a mustard seed of faith, it hasn't meant anything. That's what moves the mountains because we don't, it's the faith that moves the mountains. It doesn't say with a mustard seed of faith, you will move mountains. It says the mustard seed of faith will move the mountains because the mustard seed has been given to Christ and he is the creator of all and he can move whatever mountain he wants to where. So the moment you think that you're unqualified to be a prayer warrior, the fact that you think about praying made you a prayer warrior. Jesus perfects your prayer. And sometimes, I don't even know what to pray about. The Holy Spirit said, I got that one covered too. I just, I just hope that we see that the gospel of Jesus Christ Justification is not reached apart from him, but only in union with him. See, that was the plan. The chief benefit of salvation is not the freedom from sin or escape from hell. That is a benefit. Don't get me wrong. The chief benefit is ultimately fellowship with God. What do I mean by fellowship? You're part of that transaction we've been talking about the heaven to earth and earth to heaven. So now you're speaking to heaven, but heaven's now speaking to you.
We heard someone was talking about um, Paul's affliction and said, was God, did they hear, was God hearing that? Why wasn't he doing something about Paul's affliction? I said, but he got his answer. Paul got his answer. That's why Paul in chains would say he's in joy. He doesn't always take us out of our circumstances, but he places us in his heart in those circumstances. That's a powerful prayer moment. Hallelujah. I mean, there's something happened this week that I was, I'm going to be honest, I was not happy. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. I've got this. And it's making us calm. Even my wife goes, I'm surprised you didn't raise a fit. I said, well, you know, that's not what makes us children of God. That's not what makes us followers of Jesus. What makes us followers of Jesus is Jesus. You know, if you're a member of a team, you wear the uniform. We all, you know, if you're a member of the Colts, you don't have that Minuteman on the side of your helmet. (laughs) Because Jesus is who we are. I am in him and he is in me. And I I didn't really do a whole lot in this little series about the Holy Spirit. Let me just add one little thing. I'm going to wrap this up with this last verse. This is kind of important. I have to get out of it, and you do too, I think. We have to get our mindset out of the sense of the Holy Spirit visiting us and get back to the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We don't get a visitation from the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. He's already here. We may have an, a moment of power of the Holy Spirit that comes, but the essence of the Holy Spirit is always in us. So the Holy Spirit that's in us is that Holy Spirit that makes us like Christ. That's where the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes from, not from power. That comes from the authority of Jesus Christ dwelling in us. The love, the joy, the peace, even the patience. So sometimes we have to get out of the habit of praying for things that are already in us and just ask for them to be activated. So stop praying, oh, Jesus, give me joy. I don't have joy. Say, Jesus, I have joy in me. Uh, Allow it to be active in me. Release it in me. Healing is power. That's what happened at Pentecost. But on John 20, in in the upper room, he said, breathe in the Holy Spirit. That was breathing in the filling of the Holy Spirit that we all have. And then that is part of that transaction now. Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. We speak to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus speaks to the Father, and the Father responds to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's responding. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. And nothing can ever separate us. Have the experience of Christ, and nothing will ever separate you again. The word becomes life when you've had the experience of the light. And so here's what the last verse I love from Galatians 2. Because the Messiah lives in me, I now died to the laws that remain over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. 
for the nails of the cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the, the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son, by the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into me. All right. Let's, let's just pray for a moment. If there's, if there's anyone who's heard these words and knows that the, the life, death, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ is a life-altering event, I just want you to take a moment and say thank you. Father, we're just going to give you a thanks. If there's anyone here that doesn't understand this, we say thank you too. The moment you don't understand something means you've already asked a question. So if you'd love to be redeemed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ and you haven't been in, at this point in your life, I would absolutely tell you this is the best time ever. We ask you, Lord, allow what's just been spoken to us through your word move in our hearts as a reality. Allow us to see that that itsy bitsy bit is all it takes. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and make that mustard seed into a tree. Allow that Holy Spirit to finish the work of Christ through us for others. We thank you, Jesus, for making us holy through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for covering us with your righteousness. We thank you, Jesus, for this incredible gift. You brought us the gift of the whole God, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. While the worship team is gathering, now that I gave him a cue. Um, I think this is a really good time for us to reflect on a little bit more of what, who do we think we are in heaven? Now it sounds odd to say that, but Jesus brought heaven to earth and we're, we're in a part of this transaction of heaven and earth, heaven and earth. If the Holy Spirit lives in me, then part of heaven lives here. Part of heaven lives here. And because if it lives in Rick, Rick can go to work and part of heaven just showed up at his workplace. Part of heaven stops at the grocery store when you stop at the grocery store. Oh, yes. And don't forget, let, let's think about what our role is now as ambassadors of Christ and how we reflect that. Yes. And when we're waiting in line, like Chuck does, and get at this, <laughs> another coupon? We instead be patient, a gift of the spirit that lives in us. Instead of complaining, we, we're joyful, a gift of the spirit that dwells in us. Because we can do more to destroy the, the power of evil with the fruits of the spirit than, ever, than we ever dream of. Just being in the spirit. Which one? See you. Which song? What a beautiful name it is.
Ah, uh, when we say the name of Jesus, let's not forget, we're talking about the entire character and person of Jesus. So we're going to sing about the beautiful name of Jesus. Let's release in our heart all those characteristics of Jesus that have touched us. Let's release and enjoy and give praise and say, Jesus, we see this in you and we thank you. In, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes. 